So turn with me to Psalm 34. And just so we have a title for it, I'll take it from the very first verse, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now as you're turning to Psalm 34, you should know by now, some of you may not, how many people go to the Psalms when you need comfort, you need strength, you need help, and the depression, for which you know, when you look at the biblical characters, you'll see that they suffered from the very things that we talk about, anxiety and depression. So many, many people know to go to the Psalms in their times of distress because they're just so encouraging and so enlightening. Let's begin at verse one. Let's see how many verses I can actually cover in this message. Verse one, Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So if you want to know what should be coming out of your mouth, and we just sang the song, words of my mouth, it should be somehow a glorifying God. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Now I'll stop at verse 4, though I hope to go further with you. Because some of you would know, having been with me so many years, this was always one of my foundational verses. Not the only one, but it's one of them. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. I will bless the Lord at all times. There is no specific time that we are not to be in prayer to God. In other words, when we have good times, we're to praise the Lord. And when we have bad times, we're also to praise God. This is the day the Lord has made, whether we care for it or not. It's still God's day. And then we have prayer assigned to us. If anyone's afflicted, hopefully we'll get to that verse. If any of you are afflicted, let him pray. If any of you are joyful, let him sing psalms. There's a lot of instruction there. But our lives, as Bach believed, all music should glorify God. We know better that all music does not glorify God. Some does, and I would say the majority doesn't. But our lives are designed to glorify God, that we would be an attraction to Christ and not a distraction. That takes discipline. To be able to thank God, as I shared this with you not too long ago, is to be able to embrace either chastening or the discipline God puts in your life, difficulties, because these things make you stronger if you embrace them. I mean, Nietzsche was not an orthodox theologian. He was more of a heretic. But everybody has something good to say every once in a while. And Nietzsche was the one who coined the phrase, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I believe that. Whatever doesn't kill us, well, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, so it's a win-win. But whatever comes against us is going to make us stronger if we will embrace it. So as I lay on my bed last night, and of course praying for people who have asked for prayer, who need prayer, and just for general direction in the church, because you don't, in case you don't realize this, we're full out on God. I mean, there's nothing underneath. I mean, we have a basement, but I mean, there's nothing underneath what we do here. I've never asked for money on the radio. Yeah, I have people, or we have people, who give regularly. I've never asked. And it's not that I couldn't, and maybe not that I shouldn't. My ambition from day one, a long, long time ago, was to prove God. I wanted to know for myself that what we're reading here in Psalm 34 and many other places is actually true. I wanted to know that for myself. And I can say this, as David would write to us too. I was young, and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging for bread. 
Sometimes it's, I'll use the word magic, sometimes like my wallet feels like it's magical. It's just like the money just doesn't run out. I don't spend a whole lot, um, but it just comes. It's almost like it's multiplying in there. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that was mentioned, and I want you to know this. When we talk about tithing, giving 10% in churches, you know, there are some who use that, A, to manipulate. It's a big con. The principle's not a con. People are conning you to get your money to do what they want to do. Then there's the type of manipulation that's going to make you feel guilty, which, quite frankly, you should. But the motive is not right. God loves a cheerful giver. We hear all this stuff. You've heard it before. Well, for me, I have always desired to see God and prove God. And this is how I pray, by the way, when I pray for whatever I pray for, especially when it's coming for healing, that God, we need testimonies. Again, for someone to get sick and die, that's a reward for them. They know the Lord. But we need to show the power of God to this generation. Otherwise, we're just into an intellectual argument. We seem to be an intellectual argument. We need power, real power. And that's how I pray when I pray for you or pray for myself. I lay in my bed last night and you know, I made up my mind that the only thing that would prevent me from being here is just that I was so uh, out of it that I couldn't. Then I'm okay with that. But I'm here. I will bless the Lord at all times. And you're not going to be happy when you're being disciplined or there's problems in your life, uh, things are not going your way, tragedies, all these things. But if you learn not to run from it, but run into it, run to it, embrace it, you'll find that these things make you stronger if it doesn't kill you. But either way, for us, it's a win-win. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I told you the story, I think. When I was newly born again, I was working in radiology. And I have a habit of singing, uh, whistling, humming. And I would do this at work when I was an x-ray technician. And I guess my boss was getting irritated. That day I was whistling. And he asked me, he says, what is it with you? What do you eat, birdseed before you come to work? <laughs> I said, no, I got Jesus. And you know, it shocks people when you say that type of stuff. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've got Jesus. So I sing because I'm happy. But listen to me, it's not because I feel happy all the time. Because quite frankly, at this stage of my life, I don't always feel the way I wish I could feel, or the way I used to feel, or the way I want to feel. But it's a decision, an act of the will to keep blessing God anyway, to thank him. You're sick, he's a healer. He's blessed your life, he's provided for you, and you've been waiting for whatever, that job or whatever, and then you feel with thankfulness for what you have in your hands. It doesn't matter. Whether you don't have it in your hands or you have it in your hands, we just keep thanking the Lord. We keep embracing God either way, no matter what. So it says in verse 2, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Now, you know people and I know people that like to talk about themselves, all their accomplishments. I read books. I like biographies. I read biographies of people. But they take the credit, you know, an idea that came to them and something they tried and you could try this and all this stuff. I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong. But for us, we make our boast in the Lord. Amen. Our strength is in the Lord. And look who's going to hear it. It's not the proud. And it's not the people who really don't want to learn. It's the humble. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. There's a certain element in the heart, humility, that is going to reach other people when you are praising God, even if it's not in song, you're just talking about the goodness of God, whatever you're talking about. Related to the Lord, when your soul is making her boast in the Lord, it's the humble that hear it. And I do think that we all need more generous doses of humility. If you're smart, there's always someone smarter. If 
you're strong, there's always someone who's stronger, and you know, that could be very embarrassing if you brag too much. Better to make your boast in the Lord and talk about him and his goodness, because the humble are going to hear that, and they're going to be glad. Those that have obstructions between them and God, they don't hear. I had a man, well, we were all young at the time, young man. Again, I was in radiology, and I would share my story and whatever I knew about the Bible everywhere I went. But I'm kind of a gregarious person. I talk to people. And he took real issue that I was given all the credit for what God had done thus far in my life. He became very animated, very angry. And he threw something in my direction, which he had no idea. He couldn't have any idea how much of a blessing he was blessed with that day, that I wasn't the person I used to be. He was really blessed, but he don't know it. Probably to this day, he don't know it. And he threw some things in my direction, not so much at me. And he said to me, he said, I can't believe what you've accomplished so far. And I wasn't all that old at the time. And he says, I can't believe you give credit to God. He said, because I'm an atheist. I don't let people trap me with those type of things, you know. You don't want to argue. He threw some cassettes at me because I was a student at the time. And he says, here, go develop these. I said, okay. So he said he was an atheist. And one day we were in the coffee shop. And after we were talking for a while and I was giving him some Bible verses and stuff, he changed his tune. And he said, well, maybe I'm not an atheist. I'm an agnostic, which means I don't know. It's okay. And we met a few other times. In other words, he was warming up to me. And after a few conversations, after a couple of weeks went by, he said, so where is your church? And eventually he came out. I don't know that he ever gave his heart to Christ. I don't know that. I do know he went from atheist to agnostic to seeker or whatever, you know, <laughs> acknowledging he's a sinner. And uh, there was an entrance of humility into his arrogance. He liked to smoke a pipe and he was only like 23. He liked to come off as an intellectual. But sometimes there's some very smart people that are not hiding behind a pipe or a beard or whatever. They don't have to try to look smart. They actually are smart. I've met them in all walks of life. Truck drivers, everything with high IQs. But you never know it until you actually start talking to them. Very smart people. So anyway, when we make our boast in the Lord, the humble will hear and they will be glad. So verse 3 says what we do here, song leaders do here. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Singing is much better when you're in a group if everybody's singing than just singing alone. On that point, I just want to just go down a rabbit trail here just for a second. So I was listening to some Christian music this week. And I thought to myself... Christian worship, big crowd. I mean, I knew it was a big crowd because I could hear everybody, you know, praying or praising God. And I'm listening to one who was pretty popular a few years back. And in the way he was speaking, which quite frankly was really good. I mean, the worship was good. His voice was good. It was easy to harmonize with him, with the music I was listening to. But I thought to myself, why does he talk like he's on a lot of painkillers? It was kind of, oh, you know. You know, I was just thinking, it's just, I don't know, I mean. His personality, I guess. His music was good. His voice was good. But he kind of talked like he was like, I don't know. <sighs> then you have song leaders that act like it's an aerobics class. Let's go. Come on, clap your hands. And I just thought it was just kind of odd. Just one of those things that strike me odd. You had two ends of the spectrum. One guy that talks like he's on Haldol. And the other guy is, uh, come on, let's jump. Let's go. Where's your joy? Let me tell you something. When you have what Jesus spoke about, that it's a well of life, the Holy Spirit be a well of life springing up in you, you're going to sing naturally. And it'll come through your natural personality. You won't have to put on airs. And for me, at least, sometimes the spirit of people, even if I'm just listening to them, can't see them, it comes across that this is kind of contrived. I'm not even blaming them for it. I'm just saying it's just contrived. Just be yourself. 
Because when the Holy Spirit moves through you, it uses your personality, it's a good thing. And we need to learn, verse 3, to magnify the Lord together. Let us exalt his name together. Now here's my verse. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. And it was said here from the pulpit a little bit earlier that we're seeing, and you're observing it, I'm certainly observing it, that people are becoming more and more fearful. Some are expressing their anxieties through a lot of anger because they're actually afraid of what we see in this world. And a rational mind would be afraid. The one difference is the person who has a rational mind but also knows the Lord. I mean, truly knows the Lord. I saw a post on social media last night from a woman. I don't know her, but I mean, I've seen her a lot on social media. And she usually is politically oriented in her statements. And then she was off in a really good direction. And she was talking about the stars, you know, where she lives, the state in which she lives, how you can see all these planets. And she had a little table of the planets and what time they're appearing and when you can see Mercury and all that. And she said, which I thought was a pretty bright comment, she said, it really puts things in perspective. You know, when you look into the universe and you see, let's say, just how big God is. So I wrote her a scripture verse. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. And she agreed with that. You know, everything is really a point of view. But we need God, the Holy Spirit, to help us to have the correct point of view. God's in control of the universe. He hasn't lost control. God is in control of your life, if that's the case. And he hasn't lost control. No matter what comes up against us, we are still triumphant. If we learn from the scriptures and we believe, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Now, I've told you this before. I'm going to say it again. Don't you believe if you meet a person that says, I don't have any fears at all. Because that doesn't exist on planet Earth. What does exist is those that learn to conquer their fear. Those that learn to overcome it. There's no such thing as somebody who has no fear at all. And you can study, as I have, and heard testimonies from some very well-known people in many areas of life who talked about their fear and talked about what really concerned them. But if you looked at them or listened to them without them saying that they had these fears, you wouldn't know. And you would assume that they're not like you. They have no fear, whereas I'm fearful and nervous. It's not true. Everybody has that propensity to be fearful, anxious, depressed. But here, listen to what it says in verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. This verse couldn't be any more appropriate for the time in which we live. And I want to just say this as, I guess, another point in the time in which we live. Some of you, I know, don't have an account on the social platform known as Twitter. It's almost 100% political. It's a lot of garbage being thrown back and forth. But if you're reading up on these so-called Twitter files, as Elon Musk bought the company out, he's exposing all the stuff that went on. I do believe, and I really do, this is what I believe. I believe God raised him up. I really do, or at least used him to be able to bring this out to the truth, because America in particular, but we could throw in the world. You look out here, we're praying for a third great awakening, but we cannot have it until the light is shown on the corruption. And you would expect that God's going to raise up a preacher or preachers, and I do believe that that's coming as well. In the meantime, God is using the ordinary individual, in this case, the richest man on the planet, to say, here, here's all the evidence you need. And oddly enough, he voted for the other people. Very strange. (laughs) But God is able to have man work out his will, and that's what we're seeing. That was my point. God is able to have anybody on the planet work out his will 
and his determination, and I believe that's what we're seeing, and I believe it's giving us a little space to continue to preach the gospel, give people an opportunity to be truly born again, truly saved. And if you have that in your mind, verse 4, I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. It's not that you're not going to be tempted to be afraid. It's just that you're going to be able to overcome that fear, those fears. Where's all this money coming from and what about the government? We as Americans have the privilege of voting and demonstrations and whatever else we're able to do. And it's not over yet, so don't fall into that group. It's, you know, we're all done. So we're all history. That's not true. Not yet it's not. That's not true. What is true, though, is that we don't have to be concerned about these. We're going to see it over here. Maybe I should read it now. Let me take you over here in Psalm 34. Look at verse 21. It's the next to the last verse. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. Amen. That's the truth from God. It's not coming from me. It's not coming from political stance. It's saying God's going to judge evil. God's going to judge evil people. And you be sure of this, that whatever you sow in life, you will reap it. Sow good things and you'll reap good things. Sow bad things, you're going to reap those bad things. It's just simply a matter of time on good or evil. That's all it is. It's just a matter of time. So I would advise you very seriously to seek the Lord diligently. Let him deliver you from all your fears. You have them. I have them. We all have them. But we overcome them in the name of Christ. Verse 5 says, they looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. So very quickly on that point there, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those that believe, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentiles. Me, I'm not ashamed. I never have been. Didn't matter if I was at work or wherever I was. I'm just simply not ashamed of Jesus Christ or belonging to Jesus Christ or preaching the gospel or being known as a pastor, preacher. I'm just not ashamed. I'm happy. It's a matter of supernatural indifference to me if others are not happy with me and my life and my choice. I'm very, very glad. I've never regretted a day in all these years of serving Christ. Never. And the longer I live... The more evidence I see that God wrote this book, and for me, I wish there was somehow we could just simply just inject people with the gospel and they would get it. But that's not the way it works, and that's not the way it's going. They're unaware of the blessings in life that could be theirs and not there, and they're unaware of the things that they're sowing they will eventually reap. It's just a matter, again, of time. That's all it is. So look at verse 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. All his troubles. Now you came here today, you have troubles. People who couldn't get here today because of this abominable snowfall have troubles. We all have troubles. See, again, that's the type of false impression that we have of people. Some with a calm demeanor, we assume they have no problems. Or no brain. One or the other. It can only be one of the two. They have no intelligence at all, or they just don't have any problems. But as a person who speaks to a lot of people, everybody has problems. Everybody has something or things in their life that just bothers them. But look at what it says. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. That could be you, or it is you. And so when the song leader sings, you don't have to do a whole lot of cheerleading. You don't have to have a kind of a sultry voice. Let's worship. That's what I was referring to. It's a guy who looks like he's masculine, but it just sounds just a bit too soft for me. 
Then I'm thinking of the polar extreme of the aerobics instructor. Come on, let's go. Let's jump and clap and do this and that. And uh, I'm not saying either one is wrong. It's just not, not me. It's not me. When I sing, I sing from my heart. However it comes out. I just sing with my heart. That's it. This poor man cried. The Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. That could be you. Stand and giving a testimony. Testimonies plural. Better when the years go by and you're giving testimony after testimony of how God came in. I'll use the old expression, in the nick of time. My observation with the Lord is that he's rarely early. But he's never late. He's rarely early, though. And he just, just gets there in the nick of time. Well, what's happening in all that? I mean, why couldn't God just fill our bank accounts with as much money as we think we need? And we could look at it every day and say, I'm good for the rest of my life. Because it would never build faith. We wouldn't have to trust God if we could see everything. And so we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We stand by faith. What we do, we do in faith, believing that God cannot lie and that he wrote this book. That could be you. He saved me out of all my troubles. You could be saying it for yourself. Verse 7 is a great verse. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivered them. Now, I have never seen an angel. And if I did, it would be difficult to explain to you that I've seen an angel. And probably most wouldn't believe me. But they exist. How do I know that? Because the book records their existence. We forget them sometimes. They're probably the most oft overlooked spiritual beings in the Bible. And they're in there a lot. Now sometimes what I do, my bedroom's here and the backyard is out there. I just picture the angel with a tent. I know that angels don't live in tents. But that's why it says it camps. So I just picture that. How many angels are given to you, to me? Well, I don't know. But I know what verse 7 says. And for those, and perhaps they're watching or listening by way of radio, and they say, well, you know, Christians are really foolish people when you believe in angels and devils. But there are so many things that we know exist that is invisible. I often look at my phone and my Bluetooth speaker, and I watch how it connects. I watch the progress bar or circle. Just watch it connect. That now plays music in this thin little piece of metal technology and the sound comes up and it's all done with invisible waves radio waves x-radiation you can't see it but wilhelm conrad rankin who discovered the x-rays he experimented on himself took x-rays of his arm a lot and then they put it in a museum to show you what x-ray does to your arm it wasn't pretty yeah, they preserved it i don't know if they still have it but they did for a long long time they did when i was still in school which was in the 70s 1970s not the 1870s <laughs> And so people say, have you ever seen God? Well, no. Have you ever seen angels? Well, no, and all of this. But the answer, the response should be, have you ever seen the wave that goes to a Bluetooth through a phone or to whatever you use? Have you ever seen a radio wave? Have you ever seen X-radiation? Do you want to know if it works? Stand under some fluoroscopy for a few hours a day, and you're going to find out. It's going to burn a hole right through your belly or your chest. But you never saw it. And so why is it a stretch for people to say because something is invisible, like angels and the Bible records that, why is it such a stretch for us to say we believe it? That these beings exist. That's an interesting study, by the way, just angels and when they appear. And why does God have to use angels? Because he don't need them. God has his own ways. But just think of that right there. When you are born again, there is a sign to you, I'll say at least one. Angel, we read about that in the book of Hebrews, that they are part of how God preserves us. So in this world, we don't really know, but I want to go back to the invisible waves. 
We will never know just how many things we've been rescued from by God. Like little kids, they don't know. Prepare and push them out of the way. They'll never even know that they were pushed out of harm's way. And I don't think that we will either until perhaps when we meet God face to face. But I want to just say that I have an idea. You know, I'm not going to preach it as Bible, but when thoughts come into your mind that you know are not your thoughts, I believe that our brain is like a radio receiver and that it's receiving the voice of Satan the voice of God, that's a bit different spirit. God is a spirit, but I can't prove all this. And I don't think anybody can. But you have thoughts coming through your head. And if you're paying attention to what you're thinking, you'll have a thought come through every once in a while that you know is not the way you ordinarily think. And even if I'm not specifically correct on my idea, I think it works like that. Somehow our mind picks up these signals. It's not even a voice voice. It just comes in the form of a thought. Obviously, when it contradicts God's word, you're not going to act on it. The Bible speaks for itself. We have the Holy Spirit that does, I believe, likewise, shows us things, illuminates our spirit and our soul, which is the mind. Anyway, we have this promise here that the angel of the Lord is camping around you. And this is where we get the idea that every child has a guardian angel. And it says that the angel will deliver you. Now, verse 8 is really the heart of the matter for all of this. And it's really what was behind what I said a few moments ago about my own life. I wanted to prove God. I wanted to prove that God alone was sufficient. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. If you don't taste, you don't know. There are people who want you to prove it on paper. That can't be done. I mean, we can give evidence that supports what the book says. But you can't put God simply on paper. You have to taste and see that the Lord is good. And no matter who you are, no one can do it for you. So we bring up our children in the church and bring them to the Sunday school and so on. And then we just sometimes assume, since they were taught the Bible, they know. Well, what they know may be simply intellectual knowledge of what the book says. But until you taste it, you don't know. So you've had the experience, I guess we all have, somebody say, here, I want you to try this. And, you know, not everything is good, but every once in a while you say, well, that's really good. If you gave to me, now some of you are different. I, I know a lot of you cook and bake, men and women. I don't. So putting a recipe in front of me is literally useless. An ounce of this, you know, so much, two eggs, stir it, all that stuff. It doesn't mean anything to me because I don't know. But someone who maybe has made that recipe before knows how this is going to taste in the end. That's how the Bible is. We read the Bible it's not until you jump in and you jump in all the way that you actually taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. That God is good and he's good all the time. Amen. And he never changes in this wicked, evil world, which God has permitted to go the way it's going. He has his own plans. I showed you here on Wednesday night. We understand that God is good all the time. God is good. He's let man choose his own way. Each one of us have chosen our own path. Make no mistake about that. With that in mind, me, I'm a taster. I told someone, I don't know, just the other day, whoever it was, I forget. See, I don't know what it's like to have a bad meal. I'll tell you why. Because my grandmother was a great cook. My mother was a great cook. And my wife is a great cook. I don't need to cook. I was surrounded by great cooks. And I still am. So I already know my wife makes something, it's going to be good. going to be good. Same with my mom. My grandmother's passed away. But it was always good. They didn't throw recipes in front of me. and say, here, read this. What do you think? Uh, I don't think anything. My grandmother forbid me to tell people, but she used to make banana bread. But she made it out of tomato soup, and she called it tomato soup cake or something. And I don't know why, but she wouldn't let me tell people. I said, man, this is really good. Yeah, but don't tell anybody about the tomato soup. 
I don't know what was behind that, but I don't think it was a secret recipe. I just think she didn't want people to know. I don't know why. Well, now you know. And it was really good. So I, every once in a while, maybe ask her, now you make any tomato soup cake, you know? Oh, I'm going to make one for you. Which, by the way, is a little, another parenthetical statement. Sometimes my grandmother would make something just for me with all the family around. That didn't go over so well. And they would look at me and talk to me. I said, I didn't ask her. But God can make you feel like you are the only person on the planet that he loves. You know, he loves the rest of us, too. But he can make you feel like you're the only person that he ever talks to or treats well. But until you taste it, again, if you want to test the truthfulness of my statement, put a recipe in front of me. I won't be able to give you an opinion. I won't be able to say, hey, that looks good. I won't be able to say it looks bad. Oh, I think it's got too much. I don't know. I don't cook. And I don't bake. I taste. And when I taste, I say, wow, that's good. And that's how it is with your life with God. You can read the Bible day and night, but if you can put faith in it and go into it, all the way into it, you'll never know. Well, you'll know a lot of Bible verses. That's not a bad thing. But it's just like me reading recipe books all day long. And I don't know how to bake or cook. I do know the difference between a good meal and a bad one. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And in the time in which we live, I think this would be a great opportunity to be able to taste God that he's good. Amen. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. When people talk to me about the economy, not that I'm disinterested, I just know I can't control it. So I had these words, which I saw somebody's now making T-shirts out of them. And I said, that's my saying. But whatever. They said, well, you know what this is in all this? I said, yeah, but God. No one's factoring. Well, we are. They're not factoring God into the equation. When these socioeconomic people, they put out their books, political, economic, all these people, they put out their opinions. They don't factor in God's intervention. God being in charge of the universe. They don't factor that in. So you're reading a report that may be somewhat accurate with the exception that God, well, number one, he doesn't tell us everything other than what's recorded here in the book. And if you don't keep your mind on God, you're going to be led astray. You're going to have the same fears that the world has. But God, we're dealing with a lot of inflation. I'm not here saying I'm in favor of it. I'm just simply saying that my experience with the Lord has been this. No matter what is going on, God is able Amen. and willing to supply all of our needs. That's Philippians 4.19. For my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Look at the stars. Look at the planets. Look at the things around you and realize that God has no need and he has no limitations. God is not trying to figure out today while we're here in church, he's up there with a pencil or a pen trying to figure out how to fix the economy. He's not. Oh, I didn't ever finish this one thought on tithing and giving is that though some con and manipulate the principle, the principle works. My wife and I have tithed to whatever church we were going to all these years. And just like the book says, we have not wanted for anything. God told Moses, I'll pour out a blessing upon you. There won't be room enough to receive it. And there are some of us here right in this room that are in the process now of trying to get rid of things. I can just simply say in our life, we have so much stuff. And God was faithful to his word when we started out literally with nothing except belief in God. And so I've tasted and I've seen that God is good. And here it says in verse 9, there is no want to them that fear him. No need, no want. So where are you at today? I mean, do you really believe what's written here? Look at verse 10. This is very interesting. The young lions do lack. Oh, I thought the animals in the forest, the jungles, had everything. 
No, it says here, it says they can lack and they can suffer hunger. Now, maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you thought because they're animals, they're out there and they're not part of our system. I mean, not part of our human race. They always get what they want. The book says they don't. They die from starvation. They die from other predators. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. That's been my experience. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Just quickly on the fear of the Lord. It's not the type of trembling, trepidation that we have with some, especially children, when they're truly afraid of their parents, in a bad way afraid. But then there's a good way to be afraid of your parents, which we've lost some of that, right, in this generation. I always tell people, regardless of what my mother said, when the doorknob around 5.30 or so started to turn, and I knew it was my father coming through, the whole atmosphere changed. Everything changed. <laughs> you hear my dad come in. He didn't speak a lot. My dad was a very quiet man. But there was no doubt. There was no doubt who was in charge of the house. To the day I left, I was a grown man. I was in my 30s when I had a couple of kids of my own. And I went to visit my dad, and they had bought a house. And he had just painted the house white. And I had a tennis ball, and I was throwing it up against the house and catching it. So he said, Ray, stop. So now that was even more incentive to... He said, Ray, I just painted that. Please stop. Now, I'm a grown man. I'm married, got children, and I'm a pastor. Then he, he, got, he got annoyed and got loud. He said, I said, stop. And all of a sudden, there was a little kid again. I didn't throw the ball ever since. That's been 30 years. I haven't thrown that ball since. Because there was just a general quote of fear of respect for my father, uh, my mother as well, of course. And we've lost, to some degree, we've lost that in this generation but when it comes to the Lord, you know, the fear of the Lord is a balance between knowing what he could do for good or what he could do for evil, should he so desire. He could take all your blessings away in a moment. Your good health could be gone in a minute. If God says to Satan, let's say in the book of Job, take his health, take his business, it's gone. And you can't resist it. But here's the thing. Everything attached to this phrase in the Psalms, and it's mostly found in Proverbs, is always good. It brings health. It brings the knowledge of the holy. It brings wisdom. It brings knowledge in general, even prosperity and so on and so forth. Everything attached to the phrase, the fear of the Lord. So as I said on one of my broadcasts, you can downsize your fears, all your fears, to just one, the fear of the Lord. You live in that, you're going to find out. I'm speaking from experience now. You're going to find out that the Lord is always good. People, not so much. Professing Christians with Bibles in their hands, not so much. But God Almighty... In the person of Jesus Christ, always good. Amen. Always good. So what man, verse 12, is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Well, I raised my hand and said, well, that's me. Keep your tongue from evil. We happen to just sing it. Psalm 19, we sang it. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile, which is deceit. Keep your mouth. Tes et toi. It's French. Fermez la bouche. He's basically shut up. Keep your mouth closed. Right? Even fish don't get caught if they keep their mouth closed. Depart from evil, verse 14, and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. I've told you this before. I want to say it again, and I'm older now. Whenever I reflect on what is it I really wanted when I came to Christ, I want to go to heaven, I don't want to go to hell. That was probably number one. It was just peace. I just want to live in peace. I want some peace inside. I can't control the outer environment. And we can't control what's outside. But God inside gives you a peace that the Bible says in another place will surpass understanding. 
because we should be nervous and worried. We should be thinking about North Korea and China and even India and Pakistan, all these nuclear arms. And it almost doesn't seem rational to not be worried. But since God is in charge and nothing can happen without his knowledge or his permission or his will, then we're relaxed and we're at peace. In your marriage, did you marry the perfect person? I'd like to meet them. Because they're the first person in history that's perfect. And that's why when I hear somebody talk, well, I don't know, in my opinion, some things ought to just be kept private. So it's splashed all over the social media. And forgive me for being so honest with you, but especially by men. You know, I can't take too much sugar. I never could. It just affects me. Not in a good way. Some stuff is just gooey. Stuff that comes out. Well, with peace, we just pursue it. And we keep our mouths quiet. I mean, we don't necessarily shut them all the time. It's just to keep them from evil. Certain things are better left unsaid. Because verse 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. And any parent, or any good parent, any average parent, is listening for the sound of his or her children crying out in need or for a meal or food. I mean, honestly, there was a day when you could let your children run out and go all over the city, go all over the place. You didn't have to think about it. Now, in my backyard, you're always looking out the window to check and making sure they're safe. But that still makes the point that a good parent, an average parent, normal parent, does that. And if we, who are weak and evil can do that, how much more would our Father give us good things? That's what Jesus said to those that ask. If ye being evil know how to give good things unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things? That's one verse. Give the Holy Spirit, that's another verse, to those that ask. See, start thinking in those terms. That if we're able to give good things to our children, God who is perfect will give good things to those that ask. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Call unto the Lord. I like verse 18. The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart. Boy, there's a lot of people in the world got broken hearts. And there's a time where you'll never see God. Well, you never see God. How do I phrase this? There are times when we need a sharp reproof. But when your heart is broke, Jesus, meek and lowly, will come and heal the broken heart. The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart and saves such as be of a contrite spirit, contriteness. It's the opposite of pride. It's the opposite of arrogance. Someone who's like the publican, beating his breast, saying, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. The, The Pharisee, on the other hand, he's extolling all of his goodness. I tithe of this, I tithe of everything, give little pieces of leaves, everything. I tithe all these things, I do all this work, I'm glad I'm not like him. Yet Jesus, who's God, come in the flesh, says, he went away justified, not him. Now some of you have some background in church. Have you ever met Pharisees? Talking about what they do for the church? I had a guy in the Bronx did that to me. I don't know, he got twisted about something that I did or said. He just started reminding me of all the good that he did for the church. And he did. He did a lot of electrical work, all this stuff. But when he made that statement, he got the Irish up in me. And I said, okay, fine. I want you to write out a bill for me for everything that you did and a price on it. We're going to pay you for everything you did. Because if you did it for me, then we'll pay you. If you did it for God, then just be quiet. And that settled that. I never got a bill. So I guess he did it for God. But they're around. They'll remind you how much they did for you, for the church, whatever. But it's the publican that's beating his chest saying, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's justified. 
So I'm going to finish with this 19th verse. This was actually the verse that led me to this psalm for this morning. And I want you to notice it. It doesn't say, before we actually read what it says, it doesn't say that the righteous people do have their troubles. Righteous people do have their afflictions. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. No, let's stop right there. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. It doesn't work that way, because I listen to the radio, and the preacher on the radio never mentions that. All you need is faith and all this stuff. Uh-huh. Well, the book says that the afflictions of the righteous are multiplied. They're many. We run into all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of problems. Many, it says. It doesn't say that the righteous don't have it. That's how I thought it was going to be when I was first born again. Very naive and experienced. I thought, and some of it was what I caught off the radio, Christian radio, that you just believe in the Lord and you have the Midas touch. Everything you touch turns to gold. But if you read the story of Midas, he had a problem, right? When he ate his bread, boop, turned to gold. Went to go drink something, boop, turned to gold. So it's not all that great. But I found out that it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with this 19th verse. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Then there's that word, but. So the afflictions that come to people who are truly living right before God, God's way, according to God's book, are going to have their share of troubles and afflictions. And it says many. So let's get that straight. Especially those of you, there's a few of you sitting here today, you're a little bit newer to the Lord. Do not expect that this is going to be an easy road. It's not. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Then there's but. The Lord delivereth him out of them. Let me uh, just let me change the text. It would be great if it said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers out of a lot of them. That would still satisfy me. So, well, we still got percentages on our side. Most of my troubles, God's going to deliver me out of them. That's not what it says. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. So it's so important that your faith remains steadfast, that you never quit, that you never give in, that you never give up. There's a poem. I didn't memorize it, but a very small part of it goes, rest if you must, but don't you quit. We all need to take a knee once in a while. You did it in football. Take a knee. Uh, in fact, soldiers do it in combat. Probably not the safest place to take a knee in combat, but they do it because they're gassed. They need a rest. They need to get some air and some oxygen. A little bit of a refreshing. And you can and should rest when you need to rest, but never quit and never give up and never give in because the Lord is going to deliver you out of all your afflictions. Now, how do I know that? So I read it. I read it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It doesn't mean you have to go around quoting scripture verses all day long either. It just means what we sang earlier. The meditations of our heart, we're always bringing it back to the book. Joshua chapter 1. The words of this book of law. Meditate on them day and night. Let them not depart out of your mouth. But it doesn't mean, and in fact, if you read Joshua, it doesn't mean that he was always quoting a scripture. It just means it was like David would write, that his tongue was the pen of a ready writer. At any moment to say, but God. Yeah, I'm sick, but God is a healer. Christ is still the healer. And with God, there's nothing impossible. Or the economy is going in the tank. But then don't go with it. Make sure your mind is elevated to look at God, the God of the universe. And just keep on going with that. And there is no end to his goodness. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. How many of you can say that you came today to church with some troubles? How many of you came to church and not one of you have a single problem in your life? <laughs> so two questions, some hands aren't going up. So what's going on? 
You came, I know it, you know it. You came with troubles, you came with problems, you came with questions, you came with issues and afflictions and all that. Now where are you going to go? What are you going to do? You put your trust in Christ and you keep walking. It doesn't matter if nobody else does it. You do it. It doesn't matter who's around you who doesn't do it. You do it. Because that's what it gets down to in the end. The individuality of our commitment to Christ to taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. So, Father, we come before you today, and we've experienced many afflictions. And we see we have troubles, and we have all kinds of things come against us. We live in a world that's evil. It's just evil. Yet, you're always good. And if we could fix our mind on you, the creator, as we do the creation in the universe, as that woman I saw writing last night said, it kind of puts things in perspective. I think that it does kind of puts things in perspective that God you're looking over your universe and nothing in your universe or for that matter in your nature of the world this world earth goes wrong except for man except for us the rest is being held perfect precision Lord I pray that you would help us all of us to get things in perspective that no matter what you're always good that your praise should be or our, maybe I should say our tongues should be the pen of a ready writer Always ready to speak good about you, God, because you are good. Give a proper testimony of your provisions, of your endlessness, of your gifts, of your grace, and of your mercy. Today, Lord, for all my brothers and sisters, let them know that you alone are sufficient for every need because you're God. And help all of us to place faith in you, especially in this hour of history. Help us, God, to know that you are God and you never change and you never will change. We bless you today. In this time, at this moment, we give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor. For as again your word says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Amen. The sick be healed. Amen. Strength come into the minds of those that are depressed and anxious. Calm them with your spirit and your word. Oh God, just touch your people. Fill them, God, because you said you would build your church. and The gates of hell would not prevail. We give you the praise, we give you the glory, we give you the honor. God is good. Amen. God is good. That we can truly not only give love, but receive it as well. We need it. The encouragement. And again, we thank you for all things, Father. All of them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.